It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 735 of Locked On Raptors for, what is it, Tuesday, June the 30th. Happy birthday to my mother. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. Lots of great stuff. And today, the Locked On Podcast Network is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need at RockAuto.com. More on them a little bit later. All right, on today's show, amid the return plans and the press conferences and Zoom calls going down between various Raptors, front office and players, and the media, uh, Fred Van Vliet calling out Michael Grange for his insane beard, all that's been going on. There is still a whole other sort of through line that we got to keep an eye on here as we approach what is going to be an extremely abbreviated offseason whenever this doomed return to Orlando completes. It sounds like it's going to be about a four-week window between the NBA Finals and the start of the training camp for the next season if they actually do get that December 1st start date in order. And that means we got to prep for the draft a little bit, especially because the Raptors have a pick this year, which they did not last year. Of course, they traded the first-round pick for a little guy we like to call Kawhi Leonard and uh, an NBA championship and all that good stuff. And so we finally have a draft pick to care about this season. And I am dumb when it comes to the draft. I think people who listen to this show know that it's not something I really prioritize. And so with that in mind, and with some draft draft preparation sort of top of mind for me, at least, as I think about what's going to happen once this very quick abbreviated season ends, I thought I should have a smart person on the podcast to talk about the draft. And joining me to talk about who the Raptors might take in that late first round range, the overall strength of this year's draft and maybe some strategies for the Raptors to potentially trade that pick or not down the line. It is from Raptors internet. One of the essential members of Raptors internet, you know him from his wonderful YouTube page, sub me in coach and his wonderful videos over there. It is Robel. Robel, how are you, man? Um, I'm good. How are you? Uh, thank you for having me. 
Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Happy to have you on. I'm doing well. Uh, and, you know, again, like I said, I'm not much of a draft guy myself, but I find that it becomes a lot easier to process draft stuff when you watch smart people talk about it. And, you know, they, they don't run with like erroneous player comps and they actually kind of dive in deep on the tape. And, you know, it's not just a highlight video of only buckets made. It's, it's all the things that they do, you know, well and poorly. And you do a great job with that. In particular, you did a great video a few months back um, with Kalo7 on, on your YouTube page about some guys the Raptors might take in their range, which we'll get to in the second part of the show. But first, I want to sort of pick your brain on the overall strength of this draft. I think for the most part, it's been a little bit uh, maybe – derided a little bit as maybe not being a terribly strong draft. I think a lot of the top prospects are not even playing in the NCAA. So it's a little bit less high profile and, you know, there's no Zion this year, for example. So I'm curious, Robel, you know, you're steeped in this stuff. You watch these guys all the time. Are you kind of in agreement with that line of thinking that this is sort of a weaker draft? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think it's weak. I even think uh, like it's no debate at all. Cause when you um, compare drafts and like try to see how strong they are, you look at the top you try to see how many franchise players there are. And last year was a pretty weak draft too, but they had Zion Williamson was for sure, a, you know, a franchise player. And then John Moran was like kind of iffy, like no one really knew if he could be like a franchise, like he could be maybe like second or third best player. But yeah, um, that turned out pretty fine. Like it was pretty deep, I guess, had a lot of players. But yeah, this one, I don't even think there's one franchise guy. The only one that could be it is LaMelo. And everything has to go right for him, which rarely happens. You never see a 100% outcome happen, you know, unless you're Zion or Luca, and those are generational prospects. And, yeah, I only think LaMelo has that type of superstar upside, but I don't think it's very realistic. And everyone else is – yeah, I don't, I don't see what everyone else at all. But <laughs> one thing I will say is it has a lot of good rotation, guys. This draft is very good for – playoff teams mm -hmm. you know from one to 30 there's guys that could be plus rotation players and i think that has value so if you're trying to get the next you know franchise guy who's gonna sell uh, a million tickets and you know bring you back to the playoffs in one year like ja or zan you're not gonna find that guy you're not and even if you think lamello is like amazing like i think he needs some you know he needs some development so mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this draft is going to be pretty weak and it's going to be remembered as pretty weak. I don't think uh, the narrative is going to change. Yeah, it seems as though one of those years where teams are almost like hoping they don't get the number one pick in the lottery because there's like pressure attached to that. It's kind of reminiscent, yeah. it seems, in the conversations I've you know read and listened to. It seems like that 2013 draft, right, where the best mm -hmm. player is Giannis. You know, Anthony Bennett kind of goes first overall through no fault of his own. and It just didn't mm -hmm. really make sense. And then, you know, you kind of have good guys and bad guys spring up through that top ten. Um, you know, there will certainly be guys who end up being good from, you know, the Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman group of guys, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it does not seem terribly inspiring, but that's okay because the Toronto Raptors pick 27th, 28th, yeah. 29th, wherever that's going to be. They're a very good mm -hmm. team, good record, and they don't have to worry about that. And as you say, if this is a draft with a lot of rotation guys, that's pretty promising. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm curious before we get into specific names in the next part of the show, I'm just curious, what to you sort of makes a guy stand out as a potential solid rotation player is there like a certain thing that they're really good at is it sort of guys who are good at everything is it you know older guys is there something that kind of pops as like something to you at least when you're going through 
and, and you and you and you look at a guy and you're like oh yeah this is a guy I would take with 27 this is a guy you know who the Raptors should look at because this this or this is kind of a thing that stands out well so it's it's different between positions right right so for bigs you've got to be able to be uh protecting the rim it'll be nice if you're a floor spacer um good roller athleticism that's what you look and good iq that's what i look for the most um just in general players with high iq and high field that is what you always need to be looked at because those type of players they can play right away terrence davis has high iq he can you can fit him right in he's a plug and play type of guy and um for guards specifically, I look guys like who can get to the rim because even if you're not the best playmaker, putting pressure at the rim automatically means the driving kicks are open and it's just event creation, right? Mm-hmm. Something happens, you you basically manipulate uh, the defense into ro- rot- rotating and that's what guards need to do. For small forwards, um, like, you know, in the 28th, you know, like the lower first round rates, you're going to get a lot of 3 and D guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't look just for guys that can do just shooting threes and play defense like man defense i look for team defense especially and i look for any other skills that they have like ancillary skills that's what we call it like can he pass a little bit can he attack closeouts and yeah so i and for point guards especially they gotta be able to uh, be good pick and roll players pretty decent uh point of attack defenders and just um not be a liability on defense especially because Mm -hmm. I like I like bigger guards than uh, smaller guards, even though we have the shortest backcourt in the <laughs> NBA. Yeah, um, but I don't want to continue that because I feel like small guards have to be really, really good to survive, especially because guards are getting bigger and bigger now. We see so many LeBron types coming in now, you know, mm-hmm. like six foot eight, and he can run, pick, and roll. Like, you know, like there's going to be guys that are coming um, that can do that. And there's going to be more and more. And if you're, if you're a short guy, if you're 6'1", you got to be basically Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. in his type of skill set. You know what I mean? And you got to be able to shoot. You got to be able to defend multiple positions. You got to be built like a tank. You got to have handle, like high IQ. It's like, it's really hard for someone to have all those skills. So I really don't buy in small guards because if you don't have that skill, you're going to be a backup point guard. And backup point guards aren't that valuable. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so as a rotation player, I don't really like backup guards. I like more wings and bigs. So that's how I'm going to end it, yeah. I tend to kind of skew that way as well. Just, you know, again, in my very uneducated opinion, <laughs> as someone who's not very sort of steeped in college basketball, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, and I think the Raptors have also kind of shown that, you know, they're aside from Fred Van Vliet, who they picked up as an undrafted free agent, like they go for guys with big physical builds, guys mm-hmm. who have high IQ, you know, maybe there's some things that they think they can teach up like shooting or whatever it is. Uh, and we're going to get at some of those guys in just a second and, and sort of talk about, you know, some different skill sets that some guys might bring to the table, how they might fit with the Raptors if they do take them in the late first round this season. But first I want to tell everybody about rockauto.com. I am a draft dummy, and I'm also a car dummy, and that is why rockauto.com is great for me. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, and it's super duper easy. They have a hundred, they have everything, sorry, from engine control modules and brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets for your car. 
whether it's your classic that you're tuning up or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. And it's also basically what most mechanics use. They use the catalog, but then they charge you more for the parts. Why would you do that when you can get all the specifications and prices you want right on rockauto.com directly delivered to your door? Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Robel, you sent me a list of guys before uh, gearing up for this podcast, and I went and sort of did some studying up on them, some rudimentary reading and watching, and I just want to run through them to sort of get your thoughts on them. We might not have time to get to everybody today, but we'll try our best. Mm-hmm. The first guy that you sent on your list ended up being my favorite guy that we came across, and before we came on air, we were talking about how much we both like this guy, Xavier Tillman, who is uh, sort of an undersized mobile big from Michigan State. Nice passer, 21-year-old, kind of in that Maasai range of age that he seems to really like. Um, Tell me about Xavier Tillman more than just uh, the things that I sort of saw on the surface, especially in your video over on your YouTube page that people should check out, um, where he he just seems like a pretty smart, do-it-all kind of big man. Outside of shooting, he seems to kind of offer a little bit of everything. What's your sort of read on, on Xavier Tillman and what his fit with the Raptors might be? So I really value bigs that can pass the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love Marcus Gasol. I'm always going to be um, defending Marcus Gasol. And because just bigs who can pass, they're allowed to get post-up possessions. You know what I mean? The post-up is dying. doesn't matter if you can get 20 in the post in college. You're not going to get that type of usage in the NBA unless you can pass the ball. And so many plays, um, like, bigs can basically see a lot more than the guards because they're so much taller. And people that have that skill, it's really hard to learn. It just shows how much of an IQ player that he is. And Xavier Tillman, you can run an offense through him. He can be that offensive hub. So I think that's really valuable. I also love his defense. He was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, which is a good conference. So um, his rotational defenses was especially um, great. He's always there. And I really value that ability over guys that just – jump um, higher than the rim to contest shots all the time, like uh, Mitchell Robinson on Whiteside. And no no shade to those guys, but a little <laughs> bit. Um, so, yeah, just the ability to always be there, I, f- I feel like that fits great with the system. Because even Pascal Siakam, a lot of people say, like, he did regress a little bit on defense, but his rotational defense is amazing. He's like an octopus, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's everywhere. He's going to, like, run it like, three guys. Everyone has to pump fake and dribble drive, which is bad because, you know, um, it's undecisive. And that's how uh, the Raptors play in general, just aggressive rotations. They have the athletes, they have the IQ. And Xavier Tillman fits perfectly with that. He's more mobile than given credit for, even though he's a really big guy. And he, he's probably one of the strongest guys in college basketball. Like um, multiple times, there's uh, big post-up bigs that try to like embarrass him. But he watches so much film that he knows when 
the guy's going to do his move. He knows when the guy's <laughs> going to fake left to go right. He's already there. Like, and he just embarrasses people on live TV. You don't want to, you don't want to go against him. So, um, also what I like about his screen setting is amazing. He's really focused on that. I like a guy that does the little things because even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, you can see it when you're really watching the game and just focusing on him. And he's an amazing short roll passer as well. And he has ball handling ability. So it's, um, he's more mobile, so more passes are available. So I think short roll, short roll passing is very important as well. Gives you a lot of threes and he makes good decisions. Like I like, I want him to have the ball in his hands and, the Raptors, they don't really have a lot of playmaking off the bench. So when the second unit comes in, just throw it to him in the post, run some pick and roll with him, and he'll make some stuff happen. So that's why I love him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, do, is... you wanna, do you want to talk about the shooting? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my next question for you is, you know, that all sounds lovely. And he sounds mm-hmm. like kind of the, the perfect fit on a Raptors team that A, values high IQ defenders and has them everywhere. And you know, that would seem to fit really nicely. And also a guy who would fit into Nick Nurse's sort of read and react offense, right? Where everybody needs to be able to at least make a rudimentary play. And if you can do more than that, that's really encouraging. But yeah, the shooting is sort of the red flag, right? Are you concerned about that? I think he was 26% in his last year in college. Are you, is that something that you're worried about? Is that something you think that could be taught to sort of, that the Raptors might just be like, hey, we can teach him how to shoot? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think they can. They're not like, amazing at teaching big guys how to shoot right no chris boucher is kind of he well he thinks he's like a 40 percent <laughs> yeah right and then ronde just is like ben simmons and then well everyone else can shoot so um but i really trust the development staff and i trust i was watching a, a breakdown where he's talking about his game and he was speaking like i'm gonna fix my shot that's what teams want me to do and i think he can hit corner threes he's like a little bit reluctant reluctant so the Raptors have to empower him. You've got to shoot the ball or else you're not going to play, basically. That's what you got to tell him. And even if he doesn't become a floor spacer, I, th- I still think he'll be a plus rotation big man, but he'll be a negative on offense. Mm-hmm. But if he shoots, he'll probably, he, could be like the, he could be like the best big in the draft. Like he could end up being that. If, you know, because uh, Wiseman and Toppin, they're, they're bad for team building because they have their own issues. But if Xavier Tillman shoots the ball, and I think he has good touch, I think his form is good. I wouldn't even be surprised if he came in and became like a 33% shooter uh, right away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I really trust his shot. And he, he shoots uh, mid-range shots too. He, he willingly wants to pop and pick and roll. So I just trust all of that. Um, I know it could be, I understand if people don't think he could be a shooter, but the Raptors have the best development staff in the NBA. I'm not going to put anything past him to learn something that he's already shown that he could kind of do. Yeah, I, uh, the bar has been set high. Xavier Tillman right now is the guy I want the Raptors to take most, <laughs> and you're going to have to convince me otherwise. But it sounds like you're pretty convinced that he'd be a nice pick as well. So um, yeah. I'm I, have him, um, I have him fourth on my big board. So right. I, can, I think I can convince you that the other guys would be even more better. <laughs> you know, I love Tillman, though. Like, if I was biased, I'd probably, I'd be very happy if we picked him. <laughs> but, yeah, I love Tillman. All right, so let's uh, move on to a couple more guys here. Uh, Leandro Balmaro is a guy that you pointed out on this list you sent to me. He's a wing from Argentina. And in the video that, uh, that you and Kalo7 put together on your YouTube page, Kalo7 uh, took the, the, the explanation of Balmaro and sort of yeah. pointed out that he's like very high ceiling because he's like a ridiculously good passer. He's got great touch. He like seems to just be ex- exceptionally skilled 
but he's got an insanely low floor as well because he's just not a very good athlete whatsoever. Um, what are your thoughts on Leandro Balmaro as a potential Raptors pick? So I've always mentioned this. So um, if you have an upside pick at 27 to 30, mm-hmm. take it, especially if they're the Raptors. If, if it doesn't pan out, it's a late first round pick that's basically second round. It doesn't matter if he doesn't work, you know. But the first thing I'm going to say is if, if Bomaro played in the U.S., he'd probably, like, his, his mixtape, his high school mixtape would reach, like, a million views. <laughs> that guy is so shifty. That guy, oh, man. It's, it doesn't make sense how someone that is that tall that could dribble the ball that well. And that's why I love him the most. Like, I have him number one um, on the Raptors draft uh, big board because just having that um, – that ball handling, probably top two ball handler, definitely like top three in the draft. And he's just so um, shifty and deceptive that I'm always going to like those guys. It's kind of um, – if I see a guy that's like six – like a wing size player with that type of handle, mm-hmm. and anything else could be fixable. You know what I mean? I, I'm willing to overlook other things because you got to take a swing at him, especially, you know, at the 27th pick. You have to, especially with the development staff. It's a high upside pick. I think it's worth it. Is he ready to play in the NBA right now? Uh, not for the Raptors. I think we should uh, probably send him to the G League for a full year. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have talked about stashing him, but I'd rather keep him close so we can, you know, monitor his development. He's got to work on his shot and his strength the most because um, he's, his shooting is not – he's not as efficient as uh, you want him to be, but I think he can improve on that because he has improved – during the season of Barcelona, but you want you want to empower him. You want to put the ball in his hands, whether it's um, good or bad. It actually has shown some success at like every single level in Barcelona. He played in a lower division for Barcelona, but he, you know he played some games going um, to the top team. You know Barcelona is mm-hmm. like one of the best teams in the world, and they let him be on the ball. Mm-hmm. And multiple people have uh, mentioned this, and that's just a very good sign that you can put him in the G League and he could be like the primary point guard. Now, there is, we could talk about his downside. Um, someone mentioned um, his downside could be Patrick McCaw <laughs> because um, like Patrick McCaw, you know, the same size, they can, they can handle the ball. They can um, initiate offense to, you know, the lowest extent. I'm sorry, McCaw, but um, <laughs> just, just very, just not decisive at all. You know what I mean? That's, that's what my biggest thing is with McCaw. I don't, I don't want to talk bad about him, but that's just the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not decisive. And I think Bomaro is way more aggressive and way more decisive. And if you empower him to be that guy, just to be a creator, I think this could be a really good pick. And just last point, yeah. the way the NBA is going right now is, like I said, there's going to be bigger point guards. Bomaro could be a, a bigger secondary playmaker on the team. And his defense is also very good, his point of attack defense. And if he has strength, he'll be a, literally a two-way secondary playmaker. And it'll be a great pick. So that's why I like him for um, the first – that's why I have him first over everyone else. You have almost sold me. My one hang-up is the way the Raptors seem to be trying to build here. It seems like they very much have summer 2021 in their sights, and whether it's Giannis, whether it's some other big addition that they really want to go after. My worry is that this pick is like a cost-controlled asset you can have. And I think you know, it makes a lot of sense if you're sort of keeping 2020 in mind, 2021 in mind. Like If you can get someone who 
figures to be like a, a reliable rotation player by then and like an established rotation player by then. That's kind of why I might lean Tillman over Balmaro a little bit, just because he feels a little bit more mm. like a sure thing to like just be a guy who can be part of a rotation on a very good team that has high ambitions. But you're not wrong in that when you're at 27 or 28, why the hell not take the upside pick? And, you know, they've done that in the past. You know, Pascal Siakam didn't seem like the upside pick, but they clearly thought he was, and that worked out pretty damn well. So I uh, – I'm I'm on the fence. You've you've sold me a little bit here on Bomaro. He's also like you said, his highlight tapes are incredible, and he's super cool. Yeah. And I, I like watching <laughs> super cool players. Um, yeah. Let's move on to some other guys here. Let's sort of put two guys in a bit of a bundle here. They might not be very similar, but they are bigs, and that is you know I think big and point guard is kind of the two things you're looking at if you're the Raptors right now, just because of who might be on their way out this summer. Whether it's Ibaka, Gasol, Fred VanVleet, we don't know what the plans are there. And so I feel like most people seem to think it's going to be either a big or a guard to replace Van Bleed if he does end up departing or even just to have some extra guard depth as Kyle Lowry gets older and, and all that stuff. And so uh, let's put together Killian Tilly, 6'10 big from Gonzaga, and Paul Reed, a 6'9 forward from DePaul. Very different players. Killian Tilly, sort of a catch and shoot, pick and pop big. Um, and 22 years old, a little bit older. Paul Reed, 6'9", as I said, from DePaul. Super athletic, really good offensive rebounder, uh, and just sort of like a guy who seems like he can run the floor pretty damn well. Um, obviously different players here, but just sort of your thoughts on Tilly and Reed. I know Paul Reed is a favorite of uh, Matt Schantz, who's been on this podcast before, and uh, one of his appearances on this podcast was like two months before the 2016 draft was, or 2017 draft, was just screaming about how much he loved OG Ananobi. So I t- seem to like, I-, I-, I tend to like Matt Schantz's opinions on college players, but uh, Tilly and Reed, what are your thoughts on these guys, Robel? All right, so I saw, I'll start with Tilly. I like Tilly a lot, but he has a big problem, and that is his health. Right. Um, I talked to someone, and I've, I've heard of the injury concerns, but, you know, you don't always take it too seriously, which people should actually do. And um, Killian Tilly had problems before he went to college. So he's 22 years old right now. I think he's a senior, senior or junior. Mm-hmm. So that's a long time. He's been having injuries for at least plus five years. And apparently he always plays through pain. Like he's always playing through some type of injury. He always has to sit out. And as a player... I think he's better than Tillman. I'd probably take him over Tillman just because he's shooting. He's a good passer, high IQ player, a good team defender. And, like, yeah, like, that's just a perfect fit next to Pascal. They, I feel like they could play together. And, but I, w- I wouldn't take him because the injury concerns are just too uh, – it's, it's just too much, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? There has to be a point where it's just, all right, we can't draft this guy. And, you know, the, if the medical reports look – good i'm 99 sure they wouldn't then I'll, I'll probably like be interested but you know i think he'll just always be injury prone and you know how availability availability is the best you know ability that's what people say and mm-hmm. you know if you want a rotational guy you want him to always be available so that's why i would kind of pass on tilly even though i like him if you know the injury concerns weren't there i'd pass on tilly and then paul reed um I talked to Matt a lot about the draft. (laughs) This is probably the thing we're going to disagree on. He's probably going to be mad (laughs) listening. I'm sorry. I, a lot, and a lot of people like Paul Reed. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people like Paul Reed on the Raptors. Like, and I just, I just can't see it because, okay, we see it. We see the flashes. I get it. You know, 
people, people like, hey, he kind of looks like Siakam when he moves sometimes, you know, when he puts the ball on the floor. But I don't really believe in the ball handling. And even if you want to turn him into the next Siakam, why? Like, we already – I don't think you can have two guys that can do Siakam's role, you know what I mean? And even though I think he'll be a good rotational player, I just don't know what he does that much better than Rondé right. coming off the bench. You know, that's what I see. I don't buy the shot at all. I don't – like, for Tillman, I could buy the shot, but – if you see Paul Reed shoot, it's like, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's like, it's probably one of the worst jump shots I've seen in a while. I'm sorry to say it, but I'm, I'm going to give some uh, positives for him though. He's a really high energy, big man. Um, really good defender. He had amazing stock stats. Like, um, like he's a really good help defender and aggressive. Sometimes he doesn't have the greatest IQ when to jump and when not to jump. He, he's a little bit too uh, shaky, but I think the Raptors could fix that. He'll be a good rotational player. I just don't think um, it's needed. And I don't think there's enough space for him to develop him into a ball handler and stuff like that to be anything more than he is. I think, yeah, that that's kind of um, how I feel about him. I don't, he doesn't have much passing ability either, but mm-hmm. he has good defense, so that's a good indicator of passing ability as well. So I wouldn't hold that against him. But yeah, I like I, Paul Reed as a player, yeah. not as a pick for the Raptors. That's what I'll say. Sorry to Matt Schantz. We love you. You have a nice dog. <laughs> uh, and we'll have you on the podcast <laughs> to gush about OG at some point soon. Um, but I think I like just based on my like very sort of cursory looking into it, I kind of agree. I think he seems like a little bit less kind of refined than Tillman um, and kind of why he's behind Tillman for me, at least on my very quick uh, haphazardly thrown together ranking here. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, let's get to a couple guards because, you know, Fred Van Vliet's departure potentially looms. I think they probably keep him, but, you know, we don't know what the salary situation is going to look like, what kind of contract he's going to look for, you know, what the deal is going to be. Maybe he takes a one-year deal and re-enters next summer and then departs then, and you still wish you had a point guard there ready to, to replace him. Um, two guys who stand out as sort of like kind of polished, do everything point guards are Devon Dotson from Kansas and Trey Jones from Duke. Uh, big program schools, obviously. Trey Jones, I believe, the brother of Tyus Jones. Um, and, you know, kind of similar in that they, they both seem to kind of be steady and solid at most things. Uh, Trey Jones is sort of noted as to being a very good defender. Um, and, you know, both kind of game manager style players, different strengths and weaknesses. I'm curious. Uh, Robel, you know, which of these two guys do you prefer if you were to pick between the two? And do you think either of them is worthy of a pick? You mentioned you don't love small guards. They're both about 6'2", so I'm not sure if that kind of classifies as small to you. But uh, I'm curious what you think of both Jones and Dotson and who you prefer of the two. Okay, uh, before I'll say I'll pick my uh, – have a choice, I, well, I would rather prefer Grant Riller over them. Okay, I was going to ask you about so, Grant Riller. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to him so too. So, for sure, I prefer Grant Riller. And I don't really like neither of them as a Raptors player that much. If I had to pick, I'd probably pick Trey Jones mm-hmm. because I buy the, his shooting more. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he last year he was kind of like a role player that didn't have a lot of usage and you know didn't do a lot. You know, understandable, right? You know, look how many players there are at Duke, and this he kind of took more of a command. So you like that for development, but at at some point it's just he doesn't really get to the rim. I think both of them are like six one to be honest. Like I think Trey Joe's height is oversold a little bit. He's um not that strong. But I like him as a pick and roll player. I just don't think he has enough scoring gravity to be a starter. He could be a PG two next to like Siakam, but right. I just don't think um you gotta be like like I said, you gotta be Van Vliet, you know what I mean? He's not he's I don't think he has the upside to get close to what Van Vliet is right now. So I don't I wouldn't like them. And then Dotson. One thing I'll say about Dotson is this guy's super fast. He is lightning quick. Sometimes when you see him, um, when I watch him play, he'll like have the ball like the top of the key, and then he'll like uh, what's it called? He'll um, how do I say it? Uh, he'll clean his like uh, shoes off, like the bottom of his shoes, yeah, yeah. and just sprints right past the guy and just, <laughs> just finishes at the rim. But yeah, I don't like the jump shot. The jump shot looks kind of weird, so I don't buy the pull up shooting. And pull up shooting is, is important for a guard, right? Because in pick and roll, if you can't shoot a pull up. All they're going to do is play drop coverage and you're going to be stuck and you just shouldn't be allowed to run pick and roll possessions. So I don't really believe the pull-up jumper with Dotson. But, and he's also small. I don't believe either of them will be very impactful defenders. I think they'll be both negatives. Because to be an impactful player, a defender at that size is really, really unlikely. And mm-hmm. some Raptors fans might not see that because we have Lowry and Van Vliet. But those are like two of the four only outliers in the NBA that could do that. <laughs> and what's the difference between them and Trey Jones, Dotson, Malcolm Fenn? It's Lowry's built like a tank and Fred is built like a tank. You know what I mean? You yeah. can't, yeah. So unless they're built like that, I, I, don't, I don't really like um, small guards and their shooting's both kind of iffy. So I'll probably pick Trey Jones. I would not be happy if they picked either one of them. Mm-hmm. But like, I'd rather have Paul Reed or something like that. But yeah. Um, well, so let's get to Grant Riller then, because yeah. he is uh, the other guard who's kind of in the mix here, who was on the list you sent me. And a bit of a different story for him. He's 6'3 guard. He went to Charleston College, 23 yeah. years old as well, so one of the older players in the draft. Um, you know, didn't play against insanely high competition or anything like that, but was a, an incredibly good score for Charleston. He was in the 96th percentile in ISO possessions in the NCAA in the scoring efficiency there, which is pretty crazy. Um, and he just seems to be kind of like a walking bucket. I, <laughs> I, was, about, I was thinking that, <laughs> that word, walking yeah. bucket. I'm curious, you know, what, you mentioned you'd like Riller over both Dotson and uh, Trey Jones. I'm curious why, you know, the word on him is that his defense is maybe not quite up to the level, but also he's been carrying an insane load on that Charleston team. So maybe, you know, in less of a, of a burdensome role on offense in the NBA, maybe he'd be a little bit more able to apply himself defensively. Um, I I was not terribly sold, honestly. And maybe this is just like the fact of watching, you know, and again, give all this in mind, I'm less smart at this stuff than most draft people or all draft people. Uh, So let's not uh, take my opinion at any sort of face value, but um, I, I was, just sort of taken aback by, I think, like the lower competition, the lack of like people in the stands at Charleston and like just sort of the weird vibe while watching his highlight tape. But you can't deny the dude can score. What what do you like about him? Yeah. Um, yeah, this conference sucks. Like, <laughs> um, But when you evaluate players, right, um, strengths of competition should be um, considered. 
But when you see a player that – when you see what he can do, I don't think there's that much of a drop-off right. from that college and NBA. You know what I mean? That first step is so quick that it automatically just I, – I see him easily get by NBA guards. You know what I mean? Like, Riller mm-hmm. will be a scorer for sure. That's what I think. Like, um. Like I don't, I I don't think like it's like oh I, I think it's very translatable. That's what I'm saying. Right. Um, the shot creation as well, and the finishing. I want to talk about the finishing. That even if that drops off a little bit because you know better defenders, better rim protectors, he is like literally one of the best finishers in NCAA history. Huh. So how much drop? How much does that drop off? I think he finished like in the 70s percent at the rim. That's Giannis numbers, you know. <laughs> so. And it's translatable. He's very athletic. He can get up. He can, you know, dunk on people, surprise some people. But the way he contorts his body, he has goofy foot finishes. He gets above the rim. And he's just very – he has amazing touch. He's just a very skilled finisher. I don't, I don't worry about him being a, a scoring threat. The more the – more, like, I think the things that I should be focused on is, like, if you think the defense – if you think effort won't, can't be taught and it's just innate inside of you – and people, you can't push people to do it, then, yeah, I guess why you wouldn't really like Riller because he doesn't mm-hmm. put a lot of effort. But I think he has the tools. He's mm-hmm. very explosive, and that shows in both, um, both offense and defense. He can slide his feet well. He's, a, he, he's not like a tank, but he's compact. Like, I think he's stronger than um, uh, Trey Jones. I don't know about Dotson. Dotson's pretty strong as well. But he's really compact, and he's strong. He can take contact at the rim, and, you know, he can um, contain dribble uh, penetration penetration so the passing is pretty okay too i'm not i think trey jones is a better passer but just like i said before if you can get past a man and you can already create um put the defense in rotation mm-hmm. it's easier to pass that way and i don't think as much of a like trey jones is a good passer not great but i don't think he has enough scoring to unlock that passing you know right so his grand realist scoring ability, I think, is for sure going to translate. And then that passing opportunities, he's going to be a decent passer. So, And why I like the fit with him on the Raptors because Siakam's going to run a lot of pick and roll mm-hmm. at one point. They're going to empower Siakam to be the primary initiator because they should, and that's how the NBA is going. They're going to um, – and grand realist doesn't have to do that. He's never going to have that usage. He's never going to – you know, dictate every single play when he comes out off the court. It's going to be Siakam who's going to do that. And I buy Grant Riller's shot, especially off the ball. He's uh, shot 40% of his career off the ball. And he can cut. He can create by himself with his handle. So I think this is just a very, um, very strong scoring guard. If he doesn't become a starter, it just becomes like a six-man score. That's okay. I think that's the only guard in this draft that I'll accept being like a backup uh, <laughs> guard. Everyone else know, but this guy's like he's so good of a score that it's actually valuable. Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen Raptors benches need that sort of punch even this year, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I think you've talked about this on Twitter recently, like the lack of sort of half court creation that the team has had, and you know, to have an extra guy, you know, like you say, has a really good first step that can kind of just score and be an offense unto himself. That is. Uh, that's a good starting point. I think yeah. you've turned me around because, look, my, I'm very easily influenced by smart people, uh, and you are one of those. So I will, uh, I will gladly I'll, eat it on anything I negatively I said about Grant Riller earlier on. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I'm not the only – it's not like 
I'm like uh, saying, oh, why, why is everyone not liking Grant? Really, he's amazing. Like <laughs> a lot of people like him. I'm not the only one in this. And a lot of people, I think even um, someone had him like top 10, huh. even though he's 23 years old. So yeah, like they have him as a lottery pick. I think if he was a better passer, I'd have him as a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really high on him. Um, do you agree that the Raptors lack like event creation? I think so. Yeah, I think the like they, yeah. if they're going to do anything in the postseason, whatever you know, shadow postseason we play this year, I think it's going to have to require their defense to be like all world, and they'll have to mm-hmm. get like some sort of transcendent performance from Kyle to sort of run the offense, and hopefully Pascal has like made some strides during the the hiatus in terms of his ball handling and stuff. But yeah, that's certainly. I think it's like undeniable that their numbers against especially good defenses in the half court are not terribly inspiring, but it's okay because it's not like they're the 15th best defense on the other end. They're like a transcendent defense. So that gives them a fighting shot. I think um, last one yeah. for you, Robel. Uh, this is a guy I like a lot, although I'm not really sure how to feel about him because he's like a more traditional scoring big man. And I'm not sure really, really sure what the value of that is, is in today's NBA. But Zeke Naji from Arizona was the last guy, or one of the guys you put on your list as a freshman last year. He was the Pac-12 freshman of the year, 16 points, nine boards, uh, and then under an assisted game with uh, just about a block and a steal a game as well. Um, seems extremely offensively inclined. The defensive counting stats aren't terribly impressive, um, but he's also got a weird, weirdly good handle for a big dude and kind of just like bounces around on the offensive end a little bit and is just like got like this kinetic energy that's really fun. Um, what are your thoughts on Zeke Naji and whether he could fit? Because again, big is probably going to be a position of need for the Raptors at some point soon. All right. So one thing I'll say before I get into Zeke Naji, the Raptors never leak anything, right? Right. So there is a rumor that he interviewed with the Raptors. Okay. And I think I retweeted a lot of people talked about it back then. They're like, oh, well, he's Nigerian, so a lot of people made the jokes. You know, <laughs> oh, besides going to pick a random Nigerian guy and turn him to an all-star, you know? Um, but, nah, that, you know, it's not, it's not magic. No one's magic workers here. But um, Zeke Naji, I like this. I think he's going to be a good floor spacer. He, didn't, he barely took threes, but the, the long twos I buy, he has really nice touch, nice form. I think he'll be a floor spacer. And I really like his movement skills. He's so mobile. Mm-hmm. He could be a rim runner. He moves so well. Like, it's like he's a wing. Yeah, he moves like a small forward. He, he just runs the floor so fast. He's very nimble, even though he's not uh, very strong. He's a good finisher as well. Good offensive rebounder. On defense, he kind of looked lost out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a passer, he was kind of inconsistent as well. But I think the Raptors could help with his IQ. He's young, right? So... You know, he's not, he's not supposed to be, like, a defensive anchor and stuff like that. But I buy the floor spacing. I buy the, the rim running and a decent rim protection. Um, I wouldn't love him. Like, I don't like him over Tillman, Riller, mm-hmm. uh, Jaden McDaniels, Balmar. Like, I think I have him a little lower. But I would, I would not be mad at this pick. He's kind of divisive um, amongst draft either. Some people have him in the 40s. Some people have him in the 20s. But yeah, he's young. I buy the movement, like, and the shooting. So, yeah. and I think he'll develop passing ability as well. Yeah, he uh, he was an interesting watch for sure on what I was going through today. Um, yeah. Robel, I think I've uh, taken enough of your time today. This has been wonderful, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk through all these guys who, uh, before <laughs> preparing for this podcast, I knew nothing about, and you <laughs> are just so wonderfully uh, just 
brilliant at breaking this stuff down. So thank you so much for uh, lending your talents. It's much appreciated. Where can people find your work? Um, I write for the Raptors Republic. I've wrote about Graham Riller and Xavier Tillman, and I'll be writing about Paul Reed next. So you should follow me at Robel Tussin um, for, you know, updates and anything like that. And yeah, subscribe to my channel if you like um, videos of like kind of scouting reports about um, high school players, NBA players, and NBA draft prospects, not related to the Raptors. It's just about yeah. everyone. So yeah. Yeah. So if you like that, go subscribe, sub me and coach. And yeah, that's all I have to plug. It's really great. I'll, uh, I'll link to sub me and coach in the show notes. So please go check that out, people, if you're interested in uh, Robel's wonderful work. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We'll have to get you on again closer to draft time. All right. Thank you, man. I'll, I appreciate it. Great. Uh, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back again on Thursday with another episode uh, to break down the, we're, we're doing the thing with Katie again. We're retiring every number in Raptors history because uh, we think retiring numbers is stupid. So we decided to lean all the way into it. And that'll be fun uh, as we do numbers 11 through 25 on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, subscribe to rate review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated. Also, also go check out uh, basketball with myself and Katie Heindel. New episodes every Thursday. The Patreon page is up as well if you want to chip us four bucks. And that will do it. We will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now go tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball to get ready for the baseball season that is definitely going to happen and is not going to be derailed at all by COVID-19. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.